in this portion of St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he speaks of something which is very important. It's very, very important. And um, Corinthians were sort of like us living here in 21st century. They had, they valued their freedom, their liberty. It was a big town, big city, a commercial city. It was a port, a lot of business going on. And Corinthians considered themselves to be quite enlightened, quite well-to-do. Um, as I said, in many ways, they resembled us here in our Western society. Uh, what was the difficulty? And this is where something that St. Paul had to address, the first case. He says, first of all, there's an immorality of a kind not even found among the pagans, a man living with his father's wife, which is most likely his stepmother. And what happens here is there's two things that's going on. He's not addressing just the, the issue of the person, that man, but he's addressing the issue of the community of faith. In the first, says, in the first place, he says, how can you, how can you as community of faith be so indifferent. You're yourself inflated with pride because you think that you're so sort of liberal that, you, well, you know, I think it's today we see a similar situation. This was, well, let him do it. I mean, he knows he should you know, let him rely on his own conscience. That's what basically the community of the Corinthians say, well, you know, he's, he's an old, he's a mature man. What should we do? Why should I tell him what to do and what not to do? And yet for St. Paul, it's not the same. He says, you, how can you just kind of be so indifferent? Be so lazy here. Why can you be? When in fact, he is poisoning the community of faith by the way he lives. He's poisoning, he's that yeast that bad yeast that's influencing the whole community. And so it is St. Paul says, such things cannot be. As a Christian, as you know, there's two components of being a Christian when it comes to our, to our life. It has to do with faith and morals. Faith is one thing, but morals is also a very important element because faith has to be manifested in action. Faith has to be manifested in the things that we do. That's why, you know, for Christians, if they profess that they believe in the Lord and they do crazy things, um, really bad things, then it's not just the Christians, not the persons, but it's Christianity is getting a, a very bad name. Because how can a Christian do something like that? This is how St. Paul looks because it's not just, you know, kind of indifferent. As long as you believe, it's fine. No, it's as long as you believe and, and live it out, that's fine, that's fine. And so for St. Paul, he addresses the situation, not writing necessarily to, to that man, but to the community of faith. And he says, from my perspective, you cannot do this. You cannot be a follower of Christ. You cannot be a member of the body of Christ. And you live in such a way where you live with your stepmother. And so he says, that's why he initiates, he says, in my heart, 
in the name of Jesus, he should be excommunicated. He should be not allowed to receive Holy Communion. He should be not allowed. And, and so, so that's, 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 why, that's what St. Paul says. And you have to gather, and you as a community of faith have to say, this is, we cannot continue. You cannot come and receive the Eucharist while you live in such a way. Very clear instructions for us today. Very clear instructions. Because you know, sometimes we do, especially in a living in a world in which we live, we say, well, I won't do it, but who am I to say to somebody else? I wouldn't want to have um, you know, abortion, but who am I to say? Maybe there's some situations where somebody can or should, whatever. I mean, we, we live in this environment because that yeast, that bad yeast already has infected us so much that we don't see it. We don't see it. But it has to do not with controlling people, but it has to do with salvation. And this is why St. Paul says, you know, we have to tell him he can't receive communion, he cannot share our faith, so that the evil one will can purify him, will, will try him, test him, because it's not just for this world that we live, but for the world to come. And this is the, that's the difference. The reason we do sort of create this sort of very tolerant environment is because we don't really think of the future. In a Protestant way, everybody is saved. For Catholics, we have, we know there's always purgatory. But the difficulty is that um, what we do, it makes a world of difference because it has to do with our future life, life of glory. The second aspect today is our gospel. And it is amazing how sometimes we can give you so blind. Uh, the, the focus of the Pharisees was the observance of the law. That was the focus. Will he observe the law? Because they know that he already is capable of healing. So they're thinking, okay, he's gonna be healing because the people who are sick Will he take, the, take, take advantage of people gathered on, on, on the Sabbath day? And will he do what he does? So the focus is observing of the law, not, not seeing Jesus as the healer, Jesus as the one who takes care, as a servant who wants to help us. That's the amazing thing, how we can get so preoccupied with something that observance of the law, obviously, Jesus says, even the Pharisees, listen to them. Yet the problem here we have is the, the, the being so focused. It's like sometimes, sometimes we, you know, we may have um, a, a beautiful image. I have, I have a, an icon of Our Lady from coming from, from an early church from fourth, fifth century. Beautiful icon of Our Lady, but it was damaged by 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 the years of, of you know being exposed whatever and yet the damage doesn't seem to be like a, something that's really terrible but it shows the blessed mother her face is okay for the most part and is damage and you see this is what we do through our sin we deface ourselves through sin but God can rescue us and make us beautiful again, even if there's deficiencies in us, even if there's brokenness in us. And so God can do this, but we have to accept him, accept him as, we, as, as, as Jesus speaks today to them.
Uh, you know, Jesus was not stopped when he was accused of breaking the Sabbath laws according to the Pharisees that have introduced sort of minutiae of, of, the, of responsibility because there was something greater, love, taking care of people, taking care of those who are broken and in need. That's more important. And the Lord of the Sabbath is the Lord who cares, who loves, who wants us to be with him, wants to uh, take us home. And so part of being enraged is because he broke the law rather than being focused on the great deed that he did, because that person healed the, the goodness, the, that which he can bring to his family, to his loved ones. I mean, the, the praise of God that how many people express thanksgiving to God. Doing good is something that Saint Mother Teresa did. I had the privilege of seeing her in person a couple of times. I'd never spoke with her, but she used to come to Washington DC for, for the vows, perpetual vows of her community, which was usually in Washington DC at the National Shrine of Immaculate Conception. And so being there, you would run into her. Um, the amazing thing, as we know from her life, the amazing thing is that uh, there's something about her that was very attractive. People were coming to her. She was not exactly, you know, she was kind of looked like she was in the sun a lot. Her face was filled with wrinkles, a short person. And yet we see uh, sort of a giant, a giant of a lover, a most beautiful woman there is because she loved, absolutely loved, loved the poorest of the poor. And, and what, ha what happened to her? We know that she wanted to be a, a sister and an educator. She was joining the community and she was sent to India to, to teach. And yet there she had an experience of Jesus himself, changed her life changed her life in a, in a special way where she was all focused on the, on the poorest of the poor on the streets of Kolkata who were dying and who were literally uh, in front of her eyes. Their bodies were, were, were so infected at times, so, so uh, emaciated. Why did she do it? She took very seriously Matthew 25, whatever you have done to the least of my brothers, you have done to me. It's one element. So she began to serve just like Jesus did. She was a servant of the poorest of the poor because in them she saw Christ. So whatever she was doing, whether kissing them, bringing them home, cleansing them, purifying them, whatever they needed, she took them because she saw Christ in them. That's taking literally the gospel message. And the second aspect of her life, just like the first one was the service, the second one is thirst. Jesus' thirst from the cross. Her, his thirst was for salvation of everyone. And she understood that that thirst was Christ's thirst, and it became her thirst. So not only taking care, according to the gospel of Matthew 25, 
which is feeding the hungry and giving water to the thirsty and clothing the naked and visiting the sick and whatever, all those things were there in one. She took care of other people on the streets, not just Calcutta, because her community went every place, and including, I remember, during the Olympics in 1980, Moscow, and, and the communists said, we have no poor. And yet they allowed her to come and take care of the poor. Because they were poor there, because their alcoholism was so bad, there's no money, destruction of families, because that's what happened. Technically, they all should have been employed and received money, but that doesn't matter. But he allowed her to go to establish two houses, the government, communist government at that time, which seemed like very strange because they were, you know, they were not interested in, in any type of motion. But the reason is this, in 1979, Mother Teresa received Nobel Peace, so a prize, which is Nobel Peace Prize. And so she was well known. And I think that communists didn't want to say, we don't want her here. <laughs> After all, she was, she's an extraordinary person. So perhaps the political worldview, you know, made them realize that they should accept. Who was she? She was a lover of Christ. She lived that gospel, Matthew 25, literally. But she also saw that, that thirst in Christ for the salvation of all. And she wanted to make sure that the poorest of the poor were not bypassed, that she would give witness, and that she invited those who had resources that they would participate in her mission. So this way, they didn't go to the poorest of the poor, but through Mother Teresa and her sisters, they were able to do that. So she invited those who were well-to-do, making sure that um, that's what would take place. And the third element, which is also important, is her emphasis on prayer. Prayer. You know, when, when her sisters were not able to, you know, take care of the poor because it was so demanding, and a lot of them were, you know, burning out. Instead of saying, yes, one hour of adoration, uh, you know, the community prayers would be enough. And so you should take it easy, you know, take a, an extra time off or whatever. But she said completely the opposite. She said she initiated the second hour of adoration. And with second hour of adoration of prayer, there's no more burnouts which means prayer. And for, the, for her, it was a simple logic. Uh, I, I, when I travel long distance, I, I hear, listen to the Mother Teresa Rosary because what happens every Hail Mary, there's like a teaching. There's like a quote from her. And so there's a lot of quotes. And, and her emphasis is prayer. What does prayer do? Increases faith. What does faith do? Increases love. What does love do? Increases service. Very simple logic, that simplicity. So this is what she wanted to do, uh, to intensify prayer for the sake of growth in faith, for the great growth in love, great growth in service. And what does service do? The service actually enables us to be Christ for others, to be Christ for others. Absolute simple logic, 
and yet this is what she's able to help us to see. As you know, she was one of, one of uh, very uh, few Christians who became uh, Catholics who not only after death, she was beatified quickly, uh, you know, uh, and then canonized. The miracles started flowing through intercession and her heroic virtues were known. She was living uh, in front of everybody. And by the way, it was something that I remember when she went to visit John Paul II, and the two of them had many, many meetings. And she wanted to kind of retire, kind of pull back to live life in a community, and John Paul would not let her. And, and basically, she was kind of complaining that she has to go all around the world. And this is because people need to see a witness. You would, we would like to live in a community and have normal, regular prayer life and everything else, but, but the fact is that you're needed. You, you need it. She, she had the courage to say when she was receiving the, you know, the Nobel Peace Prize, she had the courage to say to the whole world body, he says, if there's anyone who wishes to have abortion, she says, I'd wish that you would offer me the child that's there because it is the gift of God, the gift of his love, the, the gift we destined for, for transformation in the future. I mean, it'd be a beautiful courage that she had to the people who were there because, you know, she was, you know, uh, in front of the whole world audience and she was able to articulate this truth without fear, without worry. There's a, a quote which I wish to, to, to quote from Pope Francis when he canonized her. Mother Teresa, in all aspects of her life, was a generous dispenser of divine mercy, making herself available for everyone through her welcome and defense of human life, those unborn and those abandoned and discarded. She was committed to defending life, ceaselessly proclaiming that the unborn are the weakest, the smallest, the most vulnerable. She bowed, bowed down before those who were spent, left to die on the side of the road, seeing in them their God-given dignity. She made her voice heard before the powers of this world so that they might recognize their guilt for the crime, the crimes of poverty they created. For Mother Teresa, mercy was the salt which gave flavor to her work. It was the light which shone in the darkness of the many who no longer had tears to shed for their poverty and suffering. Her mission to the urban and existential peripheries remains for us today an eloquent witness to God's closeness to the poorest of the poor. Today, I pass on this emblemic figure of womanhood and of consecrated life to the whole world of volunteers. May she be your model of holiness. I think perhaps we may have some difficult we may have some difficulty in calling her Saint Teresa. Her holiness is so near to us, so tender, so fruitful, and we continue, and we continue to spontaneously call her Mother Teresa. May this tireless worker of mercy help us increasingly to understand that only our, our only criteria for action is gratuitous love, 
free from every ideology and all obligations offered freely to everyone without distinction of language, culture, race, or religion. Mother Teresa loved to say, perhaps I don't speak their language, but I can smile. Let us carry her smile in our hearts and give it to those whom we meet along our journey, especially those who suffer. In this way, we'll open up opportunities of joy and hope for our many brothers and sisters who are discouraged and who stand in need of understanding and tenderness. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.